Welcome back to your podcast, people. This is definitely not a second take after realising it. <laughs> <laughs> to break the ice there. Uh, but yeah, welcome back to this episode of your podcast this week. Uh, joined again by Alex from ARF Football, making wow. his second appearance. Lovely stuff. Mate, happy to have you back on, mate. Your episode went down very well. People enjoyed Pleasure. it. Loved it, yeah. Good to be back. Good laugh, good laugh. And you've actually made, made a trip over to here as well. Yeah, done the distance. Yeah, not too bad. Meet in the middle. <laughs> Meet in the middle. And we're joined as well by Will Buckley, former professional footballer, now football agent. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me. And yeah, Alex has got me along. Said, yeah. said it Dragged well. Down. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, good middle man to have, isn't it? It's a good middle man to have. But yeah, you've, you've recently got into business together, haven't you? It's kind of doing the web sports management. Yeah, Will, uh, when he came out of retirement, set up, obviously we'll go into it, but set up a football agency and then obviously with me selling the football boots and um, having a good few contacts and stuff, Will became mates and kind of chatting through it and then talking about boots and then knowing that's about what mental. he does. That's so mental, yeah. literally, just like you selling bears of boots. Yeah, it's you just made mates with a football Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. But um, So yeah, and then Will said, you know, you know, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and then slowly but surely, the relationship blossomed, and yeah, it's been going all right. Yeah, it's going good. About a year since we started kind of yeah. talking business over boots, but yeah, it's been going good. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, people will kind of know you from your kind of football playing days, won't they? Mm. Um, so you probably most famous for your Brighton days, would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously. Yeah, you know from where probably where you did the best as a player, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think Brighton was obviously probably the most most enjoyable as a player for me, and obviously probably where I did did the the best really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you were you Premier League. How many Premier League goals did you score? Was it kind of in the twenties? No, oh yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so it must no, be no, competitions. No, to be fair, I didn't. I didn't really do. To be fair, one regret is probably not playing as well as I knew I could have done. Probably at Sunderland. Okay. Um, Obviously at Brighton, I was flying, doing well. Aim was always to play in the Premier League. Yeah. Got there, and then probably didn't do myself justice really with, with my time at Sunderland. But like I said, that's that's football, isn't it? You yeah, know. it's one of them, and it's one. It's a it's a it's a cruel cruel it sport, is, yeah, cruel industry. You know what I mean? You can. When I started playing football, the aim was to play in the Premier League. I did that. When I got there, I probably thought I could have kicked on again a little bit. But I mean, no complaints in my career. I can. I can hold myself my head high and just say, yeah, I, I did what I aimed out to do at the start. So, yeah, wasn't. There's a lot to be said about, I think, playing in the Premier League. Like, I did a TikTok a few weeks ago about like, who's the best player you've sold to. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've got to mention a couple like Tanganga and Elise, but yeah. then Billy Sharp was the one that I brought up because when you actually look at his career... It's like, mental. The longevity he's probably he's played 90% of his games in the Championship, but dabbled in the Prem but mm. the amount of goals and like the and the longevity of it as well like it's that I think that goes as high as saying a career and we were saying that this time in the chat when Sheffield United played Swansea and Kyle Norton was playing for Swansea yeah and they said um, like I said well he's probably had a better career than Billy Sharp because he's had all the time at Tottenham and Norwich in the Prem he's never been below the champ played hundreds and hundreds of games so it's a lot to be said about not necessarily mm. playing in the Prem means that you're it's long longevity, isn't it? Like, if you look at Billy Sharp, he's you class him as a cult hero, wouldn't you, at Sheffield United? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's, play, there's obviously players that you see and you see the name pop up and you're like, is that the same one that was playing 20 yeah. years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're still doing it week in, week out. You know what? It doesn't matter what level sometimes. Obviously, the Premier League's like the elite. That's yeah. If you can do it there, obviously, you've made it, haven't you? But I think to do it week in, week out consistently, you still need to be doing the same things 
with your body, with your training, whether you're playing in League Two, National League, or whether you're playing in the Premier League, there's no difference in that kind of side of it. So, you know, I take my off to players who've been playing for over 20 years at, you know, a very, very good level. So I think, like you say, that's 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 off to them, really. I think it's fascinating as well, especially when you're looking at sort of the professional landscape now, like, like 20 years ago, National League was entirely semi-pro, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And now the whole National League is professional. And you're yeah, looking at some, like, there's some very good players there yeah, as well. You, you know, you notice now, obviously, got, moving to the agency mm-hmm. side, you know, the amount of players out there that are still pushing, trying to get into the league, that are top players in the National League, it's it's difficult, really. It's fascinating. Like, I went to watch, because um, I mentioned to you, I went to Stockport County, the yeah, yeah. and I was blown away by yeah. how good the standard yeah, were. Standard, yeah. like, they've got a really good midfielder called Will Collar. And you could just tell, like, he, he could easily play kind of championship level. Yeah, yeah. And well, you look at Wrexham. Yeah, oh, Wrexham, yeah. Like, Paul Mullin. Ollie Palmer, Paul Mullin, Tozer, the, is it the guy with the massive throw? Yeah, like, yeah. Mark Howard, he's been everywhere. Hasn't well, he? I played, he's I played Bolton, at Bolton, yeah. yeah. Well, that, I think Wrexham are going for them players that they know knew it, can do it at a higher level, mm-hmm. and they're, but they're having to obviously pay big money at that kind of level at National League now to try and get out there, but so difficult to get out of that league some massive teams in the National League yeah Incredible. huge not Chester, County well yeah. yeah there's like there's history and money in there now which is mm. absolutely mental so I like, talk about like your playing days then so obviously getting that first break into like the Premier League mm. like kind of atmosphere really how different is it kind of playing in sort of like the League One League like championship sort of stadiums mm. and playing in the Premier League is there much sort of like huge difference or is it just like a little bit of quality really um, yeah stadiums and stuff like that I think from the Championship to Premier League there's not much difference you see obviously like yeah, teams like Sheffield United then ones that are in, around, in and out of the Premier League anyway atmosphere wise you're not much different mm. um but like on the playing side, it's literally just, it's making something happen in that final third is just so much more difficult in the Premier League than it is in the Championship. Not to take anything away from the Championship because it's a top league, but speed isn't when it? you take when you get to that that Premier League, the game's a lot slower. But to make something happen, you've got to be so sharp. Do you know what I mean? You, really? Yeah, the game's slower. Yeah. hundred percent. Oh, yeah, really like fitness wise, you need to be fitter. I'd say in the Championship. Because right. you just the game just non-stop end to end a lot higher intensity, but then explosive movements are in the Premier League. You know when you're trying to score a goal, trying to create something, that's where that's where the elite players stand out. Right. That's fascinating. I've never noticed no, that, no, but no. I, you can kind of think about because when you watch like the games like the playoff final, which is what everyone tends to yeah. watch, don't they? Like they're always end to end, yeah, constant non-stop, battle, yeah, non-stop, no time to think. Fitness wise is unbelievable. I think there's all the fitness coaches used. It's kind of like championship players are like 30% fitter than Premier League players or they do 30% more running or something like mm-hmm. that along them lines and you can kind of understand why because yeah, yeah. the game Premier League games are generally quite slow mm-hmm. until you get to that final third when yeah. you need to make something happen but I think yeah championship the fitness there is is ridiculous I think the quality is probably going up it's gone a lot higher in the championship as well so the games may be going a little bit more like Premier League games now yeah. where it is a bit slower bit more build up from the back passing and stuff like that and then you need to make something happen so it's probably going more like the Premier League because of the quality is getting higher but yeah I mean League One's a tough league as well exactly right? so yeah. it'll, just, it'll just shift down won't yeah. it because like, the quality is getting better everywhere I think it's just getting tougher and tougher every single league to, to play in really 
I met a mine who plays professionally between he's been in League One now and he was in League Two previously and he said the gap between League Two to League One's massive yeah. compared to the gap from National League to League Two. So it's mm. like League Two is still kinda of like that edit, kick it, pump it, channels and mm. that kind of mm. stuff. But League One, even that jump to League One is so far yeah. that that's why teams struggle to kind of push even from League One because you see a lot of teams go from League One Championship like Southampton you mm. think it's yeah. Swansea yeah, yeah, Sheffield United a few years ago that progression can be done but then you rarely ever see like a League Two push up right Straight into Championship yeah, definitely yeah so yeah I'd agree with that one you talked well. about atmospheres then and in the Premier League and Championship not being different what I think the biggest change in cha- uh, atmosphere in, le- in teams is North and South Mm. I've always had it this, like in my head being a northerner that the northern teams are so much more rowdy obviously you played at Sunderland North West a lot Bolton yeah. mm-hmm. and then Watford and Brighton mm. Is the, do the northern grounds tend to create much better atmosphere yeah I think or? you know I think it is I think football I mean in the UK football is football and everybody loves it but I think sometimes it means more to like you know if you see your North East club Sunderland yes, yeah, football yeah. up there that's nice. life. Do you know what I mean? You say it and it, and then when you actually see it, it is. But when I was at Brighton, you know, there's there's a lot going on in Brighton. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. So teams, you kind of go. It was just more of an enjoyable atmosphere to play in at Brighton, but they didn't probably have that kind of. We've got to win today, otherwise my whole weekend's ruined. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like yeah, yeah you yeah. know, we're going to Sport Brighton. We, we're right behind them. If we don't, we move on. We, we, there's next week. Where Sunderland was like, if we don't win today, you know, it's the end of the world. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the way the Irish yeah. fans. So you can see it. All the teams up north, I think there's more. There probably is a bit more passion because it it means it seems to mean a lot more to to them sort of mm. clubs. I reckon. I think for sort of the the history and kind of with teams like Sunderland, the history of the town, it's very working class sort of town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, I think it, it's that. it really adds to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Especially. So, what if, with like the Sunderland atmosphere and stuff like that, did you ever play in like a, the Sunderland Newcastle derby? Yeah, yeah, I played at St. James's Park. What was that yeah. like? Yeah, that, to be fair, that was probably one of the biggest atmospheres I've played in and the most kind of hostile. Um, Do you know what? I think, I don't know if you, since you stopped playing, have you sat back and appreciated that You've been so lucky. Yeah. Because, you know, like, we used to play at school, and, like, we used to... Like, primary school, so it would have been, like, eight or nine. But we used to do, like, a tunnel walkout. <laughs> and, like... And it was all... Like, like, high school against you, well, So, mate, we used, to, we used to do Sheffield United fans against Sheffield Wednesday fans. <laughs> Jesus! No, it off. was quite, like, intense. Can you talk about high intensity? That was an intense game. <laughs> nine year olds. But then the one, a lad in our year went on to play and still plays for Wednesday. Mm. We always say to him, like, you did, you've done it. Like, you have walked out yeah. and he's played in the Sheffield Derby. Like, he's done it. It must have been like, have you ever, do you ever, have you sunk in yet that you've done it or like you have done like every well, 99% of the boys' dreams? I mean, yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, when you're in it, you, like you say, you don't appreciate it or you don't take on board sometimes how big it is. So I think, you know, every game's kind of similar. You, you prepare the same. Every game's a massive game. So obviously, when you're playing them derbies, you know it's bigger because of the fans and stuff like that. But like I say, until you finish, and then you look back at some of the games that I probably have played in, yeah, you probably don't. You probably don't appreciate yeah. the time. Yeah. What's just, that highlight game for you then? Now looking back, what's like that, that one highlight game where you're like, I'm so happy I was a part of that. One you'll tell the grandkids. Yeah. It's probably one at Bright Brighton when I scored the first two goals um, for the winner. 
at the Amex. Yeah, at the Amex, the opening of the ground. That's first, obviously no, that's, that's history, isn't it? First yeah. million pound signing for Brighton. <laughs> yeah, that one. But that's, that's a Twitter bio <laughs> thing, now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, when I was when I was eighteen, I played for Rochdale. Obviously, lesser. It was a League Two playoff final, but for them, you know, being eighteen, that wow. was like the biggest, that's, the biggest thing ever. So, them two games, probably, when I look back, obviously the Brighton one was more kind of probably better for me because obviously I was more of a bigger part in the game. Mm. But obviously the, the one for Rochdale was unbelievable as well to, to play at Wembley. So, yeah, them Amazing. two really. Playing at Wembley, that's fascinating. Well, yeah. Rochdale got a, got a decent youth set up, haven't they, Rochdale, if you think about it? Because they had that um, Math, Matheson, is it yeah, called? Yeah, that lad who played at Old yeah. Trafford. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they, they've got that kind of development. They've always, they've always a few players, Glenn Murray, mm-hmm. Grant Holt, some really good players came through. I don't really know why. I mean, the setup. I wouldn't say the setup's like brilliant. It's similar to probably your old and all the yeah, northwest yeah, yeah. teams. But I think maybe just the catchment release players that get released from United City maybe then go down to Rochdale. I don't really know, but they do. They have they have done well recently. Did you have ever have like an old boy like an old scout that because you hear about these scouts mm-hmm. that have been at the clubs for years that yeah, so many players gems everywhere. So many players like thank them for the yeah, career. I don't yeah. really know. Whether they just got lucky or whether there was someone, you know, someone who yeah. was just plucking players from everywhere. I don't but really they've know. always been League Two, haven't they, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah League One, League Two. Like they've always there. fluctuating around yeah. there. Mm. I mean, my, my mate's a massive Oldham fan, so he's going to be listening to his going, There's a fucking nail. Straight away. I'm going to watch an Oldham, actually, on Chesterfield away. Ah, you nice. So I, obviously, I grew up an Oldham fan as well, being from Oldham. It's like me and my dad still go every now and again. So, what's that like being an Oldham fan, but. Playing playing for Dale, that's it. I know, yeah, to be fair. I don't know because obviously I never met. Obviously, I I liked Rochdale, liked all the local teams really, but there was kind of, there was the Derby's Rochdale, Berry when they was in the league. I I went Berry away with them. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, with Oldham. It was obviously quite quite hostile as well, even though obviously it's lower leagues. But um, yeah, like I said, I've always been an Oldham fan because I used to play for them as well. But that's fascinating. I've been able to play for you. I suppose that you're in a professional mindset. It's a career for you yeah. in the day, but I couldn't imagine playing for United. Well, I, again, the same lad <laughs> yeah. I was on about that we went to school with, when he started at Wednesday, he said he had a couple of seasons in. He, before he kind of broke into the team, as like second-choice keeper, third-choice keeper, like 19. And we said, like, oh, what if Sheffield United came in? Would you ever go for them? He was like, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> well, you would... couldn't believe it. Yeah, we were like, no, yeah. you wouldn't. He was like, mate, it's a career... And I think that goes about you saying that, like, when you're in it, you're in it and you don't mm. realise how great yeah. it is. But you see a lot of the bad. Mm. And, like, anyone's job, you get the the niggly bits and you get the annoying this, that person's annoying, that one's annoyed you, this is annoying you. So you get all the bad bits, you don't get to see, like, mm. the... So he said, like, when playing for Wednesdays that he's seen the bad side of him so you kind of yeah. not, a, not a fan because of that but you kind of being a boyhood fan kind of goes out the window a little bit yeah I think it, takes, it does take the gloss off it sometimes playing for your hometown team if it doesn't go well and you know, if it goes well and you the fans love you and stuff like that but you can never predict that do you know what no, I mean yeah, whereas you don't know how it's going to go once you're a player the fans probably don't care whether you was a boyhood yeah, <laughs> yeah. fan or not do you know what I mean if you're doing well they'll love you if you're doing rubbish they'll, they'll give you a bit of stick so Sometimes that's that, that pressure element, isn't it? Really, I yeah. feel like there's more pressure on playing for your hometown. Like people like yeah. Steven Gerrard, that's mental. Mm. The fact he played at his hometown team for so long yeah. with the pressure that's on him all the time, and yeah. he still come like still played to that high level. But that goes with what Will just said about fans loving you and it going well. Like Gerrard, it was always going to be good because he was always one of the best players. Yeah. The fans yeah, always yeah, loved yeah. Him. But then you look at Connor Cody, 
came through at Liverpool. Yeah. Never got in the squad, like never got the chance, went out, grafted, went on low League One, and now he's signed for Everton. It's mental, isn't it? Mm. And he's one of our be- better players, isn't he? Yeah, as well, going to Goldie. It's yeah. fascinating. So like, we've, I, I, I want to know a little bit more about sort of like the transfer sort of scenario when you're going through like Premier League and Championship. Mm. So is it, there's a lot of focus on, on agents at the moment. So is it always the agents that make the first contacts? Or is it usually a cover contact the agent? Or how does it usually work? Well, I think legally, so buying club is not supposed to approach like the player's agent. Okay. But I think it's kind of, it's impossible not to. Because mm-hmm. obviously if you think if you're buying club, you're interested in a player, there's a lot of processes that you'd have to go to before you can agree, does this player want to come to us anyway? Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of, they're checking with the, the player's agent to see if the player wants to, to come to them before going through all them steps of putting a bid in, speaking to the club, all them processes. That could take could take weeks, really. And then the player might turn around and go, oh, I don't really want to go there anyway. Yeah. So I think I think it's a bit of a stupid rule, to be honest with you. I agree. Um, with the old tapping up situation and stuff like that. I think you've seen Ashley Cole and that kind of scenario came out massively. But I think it probably goes on in every single transfer mm. that there is. I think it's just a, a time-saving thing. Does this player want to come? We'll speak to his agent, make sure he does. These are probably going to be the wages. Is he going to accept that? Do we bother going to the next steps? If that's a, a hurdle that they don't get past, then it saves weeks of talking to the club. Of course, yeah. yeah. A, you know, a fee for the player who maybe not, might not even want to go anyway. So I think I think there's something that they need to look at there, to be honest with you. It's interesting, because you see mm. on Sky Sports News a lot at the moment now, more and more prominent nowadays, they'll say terms have been agreed, mm. but a fee has not been agreed yet. Yeah. And I always find that fascinating because you hear about the legal aspects of it, but maybe just that switch of modern day sort of insight mm. today. If you, what's the point in agreeing, spending two weeks to agree a fee? Yeah. But you play to say, nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Terms, yeah, yeah, so I think yeah. they, they just need to kind of brush over that rule and just make sure that obviously no one's getting in trouble or doing anything wrong in that, in that aspect. But I think it's just one of them that is an unwritten real way it's going to happen anyway yeah, so yeah. people just kind of get over it there's so many factors to bear in mind and like even if you just look at it from the player's point of view say when you went from Rochdale's it to Watford yeah like you had a missus you'd have to move mm. you've got not even just logistically but then you've got like your family like is there anything going on in your family like is you you know your parents all right your, your siblings like yeah. do any of them rely on mm. you You've got all that to think about. It's not necessarily just like you get to sign for a championship club on X amount a week. You get mm. good. It's like oh, it looks good money in a good club. Why would mm. you not move? It's like well, you've got your life, haven't you? Like you can't. Yeah, move. Yeah, sometimes obviously I look back at some of the moves that I made, and I'm like, to think about doing that now with two kids and being settled, them in school and stuff. It's like no way. Brian no way Sunderland, do it. Isn't it? Yeah. But then the obviously when I was playing, it was like it was just me and my wife then. So we was like. Well, wherever wherever we need to go, we go. Do you know what I mean? You there one we was in bloody Brighton one week, two days later we was up in Sunderland <laughs> looking for an house. It's like but if you've got like a family, you get a little bit older, you you settled somewhere, it's not an easy move, you know, even if it's, it's double your wage are. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, you've got yeah. to think a lot about where you're gonna be living, the city that you're gonna be living in, are you gonna enjoy it there? That's what obviously probably Teammates, fans don't look at. Manager, that. Yeah. Like all them, like are you gonna get on with them? 
all sorts in mm. there. But yeah, there is there is a lot more that goes on rather than just go, oh, you're just going to that club and, and that's... You never hear about that, do you, really? No. You don't hear about that sort of side. Well, there's probably a lot of unsung heroes at clubs as well, like player liaison, stuff like that. When mm-hmm. you get there, help you find somewhere. And you never, obviously, the outside world would never know about them sort of people, but they're massive within a club. You've heard about players like having it in the contract that from when they're coming from abroad, like they want the parents to have a house. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like not sorry, not necessarily pay for it, but you need to find me a Gabriel house Jesus, for mine. He, yeah. he was he, he sent like he had like a portion of his salary went back to Brazil and he had it in his contract wow. had to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah because he came over when he was what nineteen twenty to City. Yeah, mm. yeah. You see it more and more. I I, I like mm. Ben Foster at the moment because he's kind of he's breaking that fourth wall with his podcast, isn't he, where he's mm. talking about the young Britain, like little things yeah, in contracts. Yeah. Like, did yeah. you see about his um, United to Watford loan, where yeah. he had in his contract where yes. he had to, he had to play if he was fit. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. To. Yeah. I've heard of one when, uh, for a player, I won't say the club either, but um, he had to be the most, he had to be the highest paid player on the pitch on that squad that he was in. See that? I, I, so when he signed football. someone, he was buzzing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's like, oh, it's so signed someone who's on more than me, and then mine goes up. Unbelievable. Yeah, I wish I did that at my work, to yeah. be honest. But that happens on Football Manager, because I play a lot of Football Manager, yeah. and when that happened, straight away, I'd take out the contracts and I'd lock it and say, you're not having that. <laughs> That's I'm like, Can you imagine that? Good agent then, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Great I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Yeah. Did, did you have any like really weird contract causes? Because I know what Foster has said, like, you have like a relocation sort of cost. Yeah, is there any the like way, really yeah. weird like contract causes that sometimes you have? Um, I don't know. Yeah, the relocation one, relocation allowance is, is brilliant, really. Obviously, that's one that you want to get in for your players. Um, so that just helps with the move because you obviously don't realise how, how much it costs to move out. So mm-hmm. obviously pay for your rent then. Obviously your removals, vans, stuff like that. You know what I mean? It costs thousands mm-hmm. of pounds. So have that in for the player is, is obviously good. Um Weird ones, no, just obviously like your standard, if you play a certain amount of games and your wage goes up, stuff like that. Um, but that's, I think that's quite fair, standard, isn't it? Really. That's all yeah, I think that's fair, Well, it's, it? a lot of clubs do like it as well because it's it's incentivised. So you might sign a contract, that player might be like, oh, buzzing, I'm happy with that now. Yeah, yeah. I'll relax a little bit, not mm. sit back and relax because nobody does that anyway. But if you've got like, you're always chasing certain amount of appearances to get to that next level it gives the player something to to obviously want to play every week for anyway which obviously they do but if you've got something to aim for salary wise then you, you've got a little bit more to, to give haven't you yeah i don't think it ever goes away that being salary driven because mm. people say like when a, like one of the big boys goes from like 150 grand and he moves because he can get 250 grand a week mm. people are like oh, but 150 grand he's, he's sorted already why mm. does he want to i'm like I, I don't care how much money you've got. If you're getting offered that ex- so much more mm. money, even if it's eight grand a week to ten grand a week, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and that's yeah. like, it is. It's well, you think how short obviously footballer's career is. I mean, on average, I think it's like six or seven years. Like you know, across across all the leagues. So when you see players go and you know, fans go, oh, he's gone for the money. Well, yeah, he probably has because he obviously has, yeah. he needs to look after his family at the end of the day. In 10 years' time, his career is going to be over. He needs to look to, to do something else. Whereas, yeah. obviously, you know, if you're in a trade or whatever you're doing, you're looking at a 50, 60 year lifespan of, of working out. So, it's you've so got to take that into well. consideration. So, I bet there's no player that thinks, right, if I'm going to earn a million pounds over the next 10 years, which isn't actually like too much money, like in the mm. grand scheme of yeah. life, but 100 grand a year. 
So I'm going to earn a million pound in the next ten years. That could last last me another, you know, that could last me thirty years. So I'm mm. going to live on, you know, two grand a, a month, like you know, yeah, yeah, quite a reasonable amount, like the average. You never hear like people are always living within the means. So if you're on ten grand a week, you spending 10 grand a week mm. whether it's rent yeah, exactly, yeah. and then when it does your go lifestyle pop, ups with how much money you earn doesn't it so it's yeah. hard to say yeah put it or just you know just keep driving this car or this size of house if you're getting that amount of money you want to live kind of the high life don't yeah. you want to enjoy spending your money but you've got to be kind of mindful of this isn't the last forever it's 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 10 years max and that's maximum really you know you see you get the odd player who plays for 20 years yeah but it's but very rare yeah nowadays. there's a lot of players that maybe are on the scene for a couple of years and then you don't see them again so mm-hmm. you've got to be careful really mm. i find it interesting with the sort of the position you played as well because you were a, you were a winger weren't you like a mm. right-footed winger um you tend to find that wingers have a shorter mm. they do have a shorter sort yeah. of career span because there was always that young, eighteen-year-old, quicker guy when you're in it. Yeah. So did you, did you find you have to adapt your playing style as you, as you kind of went through your career? I think a little bit, yeah. I think after you know I got quite a lot of injuries, a lot of hamstring injuries, which obviously affected my speed a little bit. Mm. Probably getting into my late twenties, thirties. So I think you're always probably thinking, yeah. At one point you're going to lo- start losing your pace, so you're yeah. probably thinking, well, I need to start doing something a little bit different. A lot of my game at Brighton was. I know I'm going to be quicker than the left back or whoever it yeah. is. I could just knock it past him. But when you get to a point where it's like, I probably just can't do that every single game. So then you Gary Bale stood opposite you and you're like, here <laughs> yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, so then you Not think, right, well, what, what can I do? Do I need to come inside? Do I need to be a bit more of a ball player rather than just running in behind? Do I need to come to feet? So I think, like say, if you're a centre mid and you've never had pace anyway, and that's not your game, they're the players that obviously play for longer. Centre yeah. backs that don't rely on pace. Well, obviously, wingers... 90% of them are quick mm-hmm. so that's that's the get that's your, your game that's your really. short span of yeah. being elite like that's that difference mm. isn't it yeah especially when you're looking because it's also a bit weird because as you're going down through the leagues mm. obviously because that's a natural sort of progression as you're kind of losing speed mm. but you've still got because you need to be fitter to play in the lower leagues as well yeah, yeah. so it's even it's even harder isn't it mm. if you're thinking about it yeah I think like you say yeah as you go in like say as you drop down you, can, you need to get fitter but obviously you don't need you probably don't need that explosiveness as much as obviously you do to make mm. a difference in the Premier League Championship. But your fitness, I mean, your fitness has got to be there no yeah. matter what league you're in, really. Now, is that why you see a lot of thought, like, sent, like strikers drift back into centre midfield, like yeah. Rooney? Yeah, like, possibly. Yeah. Gaines doing it now, isn't he? Yeah, drifting yeah. back a bit, just because, to kind of dictate. Yeah, because I think you need that explosive power when it comes to that last little bit, getting your shot off, mm-hmm. like getting past someone to put a cross in. That's where it matters being that little bit that half yard quicker than the defender to make something happen so you mm. need that whereas obviously if you're playing centre mid centre back you, you don't necessarily need that 90% of the game no, yeah, of course who were them like horrible full backs obviously talk about pace who, who were them full backs you looked at and you thought oh god's sake I've got him next week I think just like just fast ones really was there any you could like, like, think of like back in oh, when you played because you played like it was like early tens, wasn't it? Like late. Yeah. yeah. It was like early tens sort of era. Yes. Um, would, it, would that have been Bale's sort of era at Tottenham? Because did he play 10 11? Yeah, he was. Like yeah, that. he was obviously. Yeah, he changed his game, didn't he? About 2012, mm, 13. Yeah. Was that into Milan when he suddenly became a winger and not yeah, a left yeah. back? Yeah, like, he was just literally just knocking it past people. You had, you had people like Clichy as well, didn't you? He was yeah, quite quick. yeah, played against him actually. He was really good, Clichy for City. Well, he's um, won. He's won what two 
How many Premier Leagues did he win? Did he win the Premier League at Arsenal? Or was I don't it too know, late? Yeah, he was at Arsenal, wasn't he? Yeah. Where did he go after that? Did, yeah. He was at City, won he? Yeah, he was at City. Oh, he won, he won a few City. at City. It's fascinating when you're looking back at like some of the players and you're like, wow. Mm, yeah. Just them like aggressive, quick, not going to be soft like your past. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't really bothered playing against, you know, like, there's probably like fullbacks that you say like are unbelievable, but you probably think them as like... Like Leighton Baines. Yeah, like on the ball. So I'd probably enjoy playing against someone like him because he weren't the quickest. Yeah. But you know, obviously he's quality on the ball, but that doesn't affect a winger. Yeah, Obviously that makes no difference to me whether I go and put pressure on. Makes no difference if he plays the ball down the line or he's no good on the ball. When I get it, I need to be, go, be able to go past him. And mm-hmm. if he's if he's quick and aggressive, it's obviously harder for me. So... Obviously, them them sort of probably defenders don't get recognised as well no. as good yeah, players. I agree because people are not bothered about if you can defend; they just want to know if you can assist, put crosses yeah. in, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so. well, we look at them now, and it, it, Kyle Walker was a good one for that of mm. being classed as a good fullback for going forward. Yeah, when you look at like Trent; like he gets he's a lot of slated, isn't he? But he's yeah, an absolutely yeah. unbelievable, right? When you go the other so way, look like, at Reese James or mm. a Wambasaka, who gets criticised for being an unbelievable defender, but. Saying, yeah, it's not good yeah. enough going forward. So I yeah. think that I suppose the game's changed a little bit as well, hasn't it? Where oh, yeah, fullbacks are like they're like attackers now more, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was playing, it was probably defend. Yeah, like get one, the ball, one, give the ones we named really, aren't we? Like yeah. your cliche your bangs, like people at the Just top of the level, they were good defenders yeah. at that, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And now like City plays. City play our, our left back and right back play centre mid. Like Rico yeah. Lewis, he's not a fullback, is he? No, unbelievable. he plays right back, but. I've never seen him give the ball away once mm, play for City right. this year. Yeah. And he, he just plays in centre mid like, alongside Rodri and he's like, oh, you're right, Colin. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that 10 years ago, you get clattered in the first game. Like you said, the game changes, done it over the years. Different different positions are required to do different things. I think now you're seeing it more that defenders are probably more, more attackers than they are defenders, aren't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I want to just before we finish part one, I want to touch on like the managers you had as well because you had some like quality managers. Mm. Who had the biggest sort of impact in your career? Do you reckon? Oh, it definitely Gus Poyet. Was it? Yeah, Brighton. Yeah, tactically. When I went to Brighton, I'd, I'd never seen any, anything like it. Really. Um, yeah, some of the things that he was doing, the way he was getting us play out from the back, stuff like that. Things he wanted me to do was like he wasn't bothered about me defending he was like you stay up we'll get the ball to you and you go and attack and that was like a dream for a winger so yes tactically he was by far the best manager I had that's massive that's trust that isn't it really yeah, yeah was I up think, at Sunderland so we had Gus before he got sacked and then oh, did, did he take you up there yeah yeah oh, so Gus took me yeah guy. so I've got to, got to give him credit surprise he's your favourite yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> no we had Dick Advocat came in as well he was good like tactically I mean he obviously knew what he was doing but probably not as good as Gus but as a man manager the players just responded to him like really? unbelievable yeah he got you going do you know what I mean he, he was like he felt like he really cared about you mm. and that's that's kind of the, the players give that back then on the pitch so I think that's how we got out of relegation trouble that season when he came in as well brilliant you're like, literally running through walls aren't you I think mm. you find that more yeah because once you lose your dressing room, you kind of like on your way out. Yeah, and yeah I think that's time. what kind of what happened with Gus. To be honest with you, up at Sunderland, the players kind of just weren't playing for him, and it just it showed on the pitch. And then obviously when Advocat came in, it just changed overnight. Where obviously everybody wanted to play for him, work hard, 
you know what I mean? Just just running harder sometimes can make a massive difference, and that's that's what it was. That's that's what kept Sunderland up that season, really. It's fascinating that as well because you never kind of you see it a lot of the times, like with a new manager effect. Mm. But do you reckon sometimes with some clubs you just need that kind of breath of fresh air, that different sort 100%. of viewpoint? Like, does it does it get yeah. stale or? I think it does. Yeah, I think you see it from. Oh, I mean, Sheffield United have had loads of different managers yeah, they, all they the time, and sometimes it's not. It's not the best manager, but it might be someone who's good, just a good person, good at knows how to talk to players, knows how to treat 100%. the ones maybe that are not playing to keep them on board, stuff like that. So, because they are the kind of, they are the reason players play a certain way. Yeah, like, they're the stop, aren't they? At the end, yeah, they're the ones that say they not necessarily decide the tactics because they've got all the coaches and stuff, but they have the final word going mm. out into the tunnel. Like they are the ones you respond to how they are mm. I find it interesting that like I was speaking to a guy who's a player in the championship and he's saying that there's a moments of truth podcast where it goes behind the scenes of Rotherham and Oxford United mm-hmm. about the back half of a couple of seasons ago when Rotherham went up from League One Oxford are about just on the edge of the playoffs Rotherham are just on the edge of automatic and playoffs bouncing yeah. in between and uh I said like I texted him saying oh thank you he recommended the podcast to me so I said oh not sure about Carl Robinson who was the Oxford manager I said oh, I don't think I'd like get on with him I like the sound of Paul Warren who was the Rotherham manager and he says I'm the complete opposite he was like I love the sound of Carl Robinson like he's feisty he goes at you but Paul Warren's like very nice, nice. he nice. wants to be he's everyone's mate yeah, he what was he more, said. yeah I, you, you obviously told me to listen to that and what I got out of that was Paul Warren was kind of probably more of a a modern coach the way yeah. they are now where it's like you've made a mistake I'm not going to shout at you like what can we do next week to make make you better Yeah. whereas obviously Carl Robinson might have been like absolutely hammering you Yeah. but if you respond to that who's to say which is right or wrong so that's like a massive thing about I think it, that's why I'm so set on like managers should get given time mm. yeah like, bring in your own players I think yeah. your, own, your own players are key like yeah. obviously Gus bringing yeah. you in like you, you you see certain Massively. players gravitate to certain yeah, exactly, managers. Yeah, exactly, they? yeah. The manager knows how, well, a good manager should know how which player responds to what kind of criticism or kind of getting behind them and giving them a bit of confidence kind of thing. So I think that's that's a key thing as well. Interesting. Well, I think we should have a little, little break and then we're coming to part two and we're going to dive into the agent world because I am fascinated because I've never <laughs> spoken to a football agent before and I've got no idea what your day to day life or even yeah. anything how it works so we'll dive into that in part two brilliant yeah. good part two um, welcome back um, had a little break uh, nice little chat um, we were talk- talking a little bit in a break and kind of wanted to dive into sort of like the aspect of a football agent first of all you don't see a lot of pro footballers going into agents. You usually see them going into coaching, don't you? Yeah. So what was that kind of like spark that motivated you to go into agent rather than coaching? You know what? Coming towards the end of my career, I was all that was something I always wanted to do. I kind oh, of I had the interest of it. Obviously, when I was playing, like the contract side stuff like that, um, it just interested me. The coaching that never really it never really took to me just because of the hours that I knew I'd have to put in. So once I finished football, I thought I want to spend more time at home. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to be traveling with, probably, might've been the traveling that I did throughout my career, maybe the moving away, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that side was just, 
once I finished, I thought, obviously, I love football. I want to stay in within football, but I don't want to commit to the same hours as a footballer, going away every weekend, um, and even more hours, to be honest with you. I see some of my mates, obviously, that have gone into the coaching now, and obviously, they I mean, they work twice as hard as they did when they was a player. So, yeah. I mean, that is a tough, tough industry as well. Um, again, you've got to move where the jobs are. So, so if you get mm. a job down offered down south, you've kind of got to go. Mm. Whereas I wanted a bit more freedom with with what I was going to be doing. So, it was the perfect one, really. Staying within football because I love football. I think um, I can give can give back to football, but on a on a different level. Oh, fascinating as well because mm. you you never really hear about it, do you? But I mm. I suppose the football agent landscape must be hard to get into because. Every professional footballer's probably got an agent, haven't they? Yeah. Already. So how how hard is it to kind of attract these players to kind of come and sign for you? Yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, we've we've, we've kind of noticed that. Still trying to figure it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> still getting there slowly, but um, it's so complex. I think you don't realise how many big and good companies there is out there. Even mm. when even when I was a player, you probably didn't realise the scale of, of these businesses basically um, when you start taking an interest in business like obviously I've learned probably a lot off you you see these companies and how they run and like the turnover they're making Friday. literally like the, the organisations they're massive so we're trying to compete with with these big companies but we feel like we're doing something a little bit different than what they're not doing so I think in time it'll get noticed and and we'll be, we'll be big soon it's got to be, it's got to be a gradual process though yeah. yeah, it has to be because yeah. you've got to kind of start when they're kind of coming breaking through, aren't you? From the start off with, because you you're not going to go out and get a Billy Sharp, are you? Who's had his agent for no, twenty years? No. Like. Well, you said it to me like I, because at one time we were saying like right, let's let's get into the sixteen, seventeen, under eighteens, like, and we'll hit a diamond at some point. But the problem with that is that legally you're not allowed an agent till you're sixteen. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah, sixteen, but that has to be. Through the mum and dad as well. Oh, she needs a parent. So first yeah. year, eight sixteen year olds, you've got to go through the parents, and you can't have any contact with them before. But the problem with that is that these big agencies have got scout for each club, pretty much mm. each big club at least. Yeah, so yeah. like Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, City, United, Newcastle, all these big clubs with the pedigree of an academy, they have a guy on the studs on the sideline of every youth game, big trench coat, big puffer coat on branding on giving out cards to parents so they're there already so like us dropping them a dm or trying to you know getting in touch with them is just they're just not gonna be incentivized to come to us to a certain degree because it's so competitive and they've got that scale to be able to kind of just drag everyone into him so that's quite a tough one to go at and i think what really stuck with me is when we first got talking is you were saying you want to do it differently but like because there's this perspective of agents being the bad guy and money driven yeah, yeah, not yeah. bothered about the players welfare it's all about the best money for the best club the, what they're going to gain but you were saying that you want to do it different you want to just give to the players you want to give them so much more the advice that you can give you know the goodies that we can do for the boots mm, and yeah. all that kind of stuff and brand deals and stuff like that and like we were talking earlier about a barber like knocking 20% off like it doesn't sound like a lot but People like getting of course, a bit of yeah. discount. Everyone, everyone, wants a, everyone wants something that's yeah, free, don't yeah, exactly. they? Exactly. I so think it, the more you can give back to the players, because I think obviously th there is that kind of perception of the agent doesn't really do anything. But until you come onto the agent side, you realise that the agent does do a lot. But the more we can give back 
as in returns like discounts obviously off half um you know anything that we can help with that's what i wanted to do that's what we that was kind of why i wanted to get into it to give more back to the player and then obviously they'll respond in in general they're going to repay you because you're treating them well and kind of word of mouth is key exactly, it? yeah. it's so key yeah it's it's, it's you've got to kind of break into the dressing room don't you because we've talked about it a lot with the boots once you break mm. into the dressing room yeah it's yeah. kind of half a step's done yeah but actually breaking in there is probably if you do a good job for someone yeah, they're, yeah. they're going to tell people about it and that's 100%. that's kind of the aim of what we're doing now which is obviously just you, you've just got to give it time you know obviously i wanted it to go like that everybody does with a business that you start don't they but you realize that you can't do that you've got to have kind of what you what have you been doing for the last two years all right there's you know, whether it's on Instagram where they can see what we're doing, you know, different kind of avenues where people can see what you can offer these days. So you need a bit of a backlog of what you've done and how you've helped certain players so then people can go, all right, yeah, this is what he's doing and, mm-hmm. and it looks good. I'll get on board with that. It's reputability, longevity, trust, you know, like you've got to have that and you're not going to have that coming straight out of the bat saying, I'm a new agent, yeah. come to yeah. me. Because you're going to have that perception, wrong or right, the agents do have that perception, so it's going to be, you know, we're here we're operating a couple of years now. We've got some great lads on board. I was right. having a look down Good at um, your, your Instagram of like all the lads mm. you've got on. You've got lads at like Stoke and yeah. kind of up, up and down sort of a country at good yeah. high levels, though, aren't you? Yeah. Like, you talk yeah. about giving more and helping the players, and I know it's just an agent doing the job, but I'm sure Ben won't mind me saying when you were his agent at Rochdale, Ben got released at 18. Yeah, under 18, yeah. And didn't have a club and Will got him a move to Stoke and he's now in the under 23s flying he'd been on the bench for the first team so yeah, that's that from Scumfart was it at the weekend who he's just wait, gone is, he, is, he, is he keeper yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was just signed for Scunny yeah Byron so. was at Stevenage and he was another guy that I met through the boots and he lives in South Yorkshire but travels to Stevenage every week so and he came to me and I said like just in passing like oh god that sounds like a nightmare you've got to do three hours of, like each way every day he yeah. did it every day he's got a new that's just going on to players as well isn't it like oh god. What, what obviously fans probably won't realise that a player might live two hours away from training going yeah. into there every day and then obviously travelling down to the game staying over on a weekend even for a home game players who don't live local have to stay over in a hotel being away from the family so I think lower down the leagues you go as well, that's like a bigger burden on people. It's important, isn't it? Yeah. You need to play in them local. So I think, obviously, I think as an agent as well, you've got to recognise that, see where the player's going to be happy, mm. see if they're going to... You know, because a move might come up for a player, but they're a bit of a, a home bird kind of yeah, thing. They yeah, want to stay within the family and friends that they're happy there. Might be in Scotland or somewhere. Might be a good move football-wise, but you might think, are they going to, are they going to adapt to that? Are they going to be happy up there? Because at the end of the day... You've got to be happy. If yeah. you're happy off the pitch, I noticed it in football, if you're happy off the pitch, you're a better player on it. So we've got a, that's my job and obviously Alex's job now, he's obviously still learning that side of it, but mm. we can kind of learn off each other as like, this is this is what the players need. We need to be there for them. Yeah, it's on top of being, you, you basically like, Joey's saying about being a play, player liaison officer. Yeah. You are essentially as an Asian a liaison officer. Right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't mind saying, it's like we are, not in it for the money like you mm. you know we, we want to do it to help lads out and it, the satisfaction of seeing Ben do well at Stoke mm. and Aaron be closer to home at Scunthorpe like to have been able to have a tiny hand in helping with any of that mm. it's so rewarding and yeah. you know if it can in 
10 years time and be a successful business then brilliant but what might be saying you know we're not you know going to be making money and for the first few years and stuff we want to put it all back in to help the players whether it's with bits and bobs off the pitch or paying for the family to go out for a meal or something like that they don't need us to do that but that's just a so nice a thing it's just, it's just like you know you're yeah. helping us we're helping you if you can yeah. recommend us to your teammates or pals or anything like that then it's just a win-win so really so it always helps and that word of mouth is key in every industry nowadays mm, it's just huge I've noticed this like, I love when I get guests on mm. where it's been word of mouth recommended because I know they're going to be sound already because yeah. sometimes yeah. with like the line of work I need to message people randomly or yeah. people have followed yeah. it's a risk I don't know if they're going to yeah. be sound they, they may come on and may just not enjoy it yeah. whereas if it's someone from someone else mm. straight away you're like right yeah. you can relax yeah. it's yeah. Going to be you know they're in it for the right reasons then don't you exactly. know they want yeah. to be there you know whether it's us or whether it's a player that we get who's messaged us rather than we're kind of approaching them as well that always seems to make the transition a lot easier Most as well yeah, yeah yeah do you feel like it helps being a former player as well do you reckon other, other players kind of said right he's going to have my best interest in it because you know yeah I think, like I said, that was obviously one of the reasons, again, with staying in football, but not going down the coaching route, like, what can I offer back to the player? And it's like, everything they're going through at six, from 16 to all the career, really, I've already been through it. Yeah. So certain situations that they come to me with, I'll go, well, this is this is how I approach that. Was it the right way or was it the wrong way? And then I'll give my my advice of what I think they should do. And generally, I'd like to think I've given the right advice because I've yeah, been through it. Yeah, so. you've been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of the main things, kind of what I can, what I can offer from being a, an ex-professional. Really, that's fascinating mm. as well, especially when you when you have a look at like at the end of the day, with these young lads coming through now, mm. it's even more competitive than it was. Oh like, yeah, back in your and days, men- mentally more. so hard as well. Yeah. Obviously, you just said about the the mental health guy that you had on. Like that these days, obviously, when I was probably coming towards the end social media was getting massive mm-hmm. whereas all these players now from 16 they've probably got an Instagram so it's like if they have a bad game someone's going to tell them about it yeah. you know, whether it's some random fan or whatever but that can affect you do you know what I mean I, I've That's had it before cool. doesn't matter who this person is you're never going to see them but if they say you've had a bad game you kind of go oh, yeah he's probably right or yeah. whatever and it, it affects you so I think you've got to be able to deal with stuff like that as well which is, is a massive one moving forward do clubs do a lot to kind of help with that do you do clubs like put on sort of like sessions to help like mentally with like stuff like social media being massive i don't think so you know i mean they might do maybe in these these last couple of years but certainly when i was when i was playing it that was never a thing really i think unless the clubs are really on it and really advanced in this kind of area it's kind of not on the top of the list do you know what i mean businesses they're just they're, they're like is the player playing well they probably don't think what are other things that could affect the performance? Mm-hmm. One of them might be massive social media these days. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the clubs that are forward thinking now might have something in place. You'd like to think so, but I'm not too sure whether a lot of them No, do. too sure. No. Uh, did you did you ever get like media trained as well? Because obviously media is mm. probably just as important part of sport nowadays as mm. it is. Sort of, and at the end of the day, you need to be able to say the right thing. Like we were talking yeah. about like Nathan Jones and like how we slip up sometimes in mm. there as well. Um, so did you ever get sort of like media trained? Because obviously you had a media yeah. team. No, not at all. I, I mean, never came across it. My mate always says that. The best way I go on, go on about your media training, I was thinking, we've never been told what to say or anything that's like that. I think you just kind of pick up, you know, obviously people, are, they, they go, oh, football, oh, he just says, this. they all say the same thing. But I think you're obviously conscious about what you're saying, whether it's after mm-hmm. a game or whatever. 
but you've never been told what to say. It might probably come across like that, but no, I mean, that, we never had it. There's so many. All, they're all, a lot of interviews are the same, like, yeah. you know, the boys dug in, mm. good three points. But at the end of the day, it's just three points. Yeah. You know, we've got a whole season. Yeah. We've got I think a lot of players game. are probably, you're One probably scared of saying something now, though, aren't yeah. you? Obviously, because you say something wrong, it gets blown up, doesn't it? Everything gets mm-hmm. clipped up. I was down in London at a game and I was speaking to a guy that I know that's a journalist and he was saying that, so we were talking about like how good TalkSport is and the Sky Sports coverage and all that kind of stuff. But he was saying that like your Sky Sports pundits now, they're not. It's not good journalism. It, they're just literally doing it for clicks mm. and for clips, yeah, and yeah. they're saying things so they know it'll go viral online. They're not bothered about reporting decent journalism on yeah. the game. And that's, that's the same because players with... are so scared. That yeah. like, imagine if you say something wrong, you like, you say like it's horrible. I get yeah. it now. Putting well, stuff one on... quote in it, or something yeah. like that, yeah. and then I... it can be used against you as well. Different I did context it on a... as well. Yeah, context exactly. is huge. Like, it's well. crazy. I did it on a video with Jack Clark. I sent some boots up to the lad at Sunderland, mm-hmm. and I said these are going up to Jack Clark, who's on loan at Sunderland from Tottenham. Like, and I didn't realise Tottenham had actually signed him on a permanent. He'd been on loan for like the last two years, but mm. they just signed him on a permanent. And like the amount of comments, like, yeah. oh no, correct, are you yeah. stupid? And I'm like, <laughs> 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 like simple uh, I'm like, bloody hell, like you get battered for like banged up to date on every transfer. Any one mistake. <laughs> so like you imagine a player. People thrive off it though, don't they? Oh, as well. I love it. It's yeah, like thirteen year old yeah. lads that don't know what they're doing, but yeah. yeah well, I so. think you've got to learn to deal with stuff like that as well. Like, especially as a player. Obviously you probably like annoyed you, didn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. No, it was me. My missus picked it up on yeah. it. She was like, We've seen all the comments and I was like, yeah, what have I done now? <laughs> People online don't realise how much just a few little comments can affect someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, just day and age, isn't it? But There's so many horror, like Harry Maguire, how he still yeah, stands exactly, on his own yeah. two feet. And mentally, how strong mentally, he's been. Yeah. But it's his family. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, he's got two know. brothers and a sister. Like, they, Honestly, I don't know how they've read it and like mm. the grief he gets is unbelievable. He's England and Man United captain. Like mm. they must be thinking, "Wow, how proud of you are of him." Yeah. And then they just get battered. Yeah. It's, like, it's amazing. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how they mm. deal with it, but yeah. I always find. I always find. I would agree. I think it's hard. It must be harder on a player's family than it is on the players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like my, my, my girlfriend was noticing it. So so I, I'm I'm I don't care about it. I comments like yeah. I put a few TikToks up there. I don't care. Like, I used to do cold calling for a living. Like, yeah, I've been well. called every day. The <laughs> like, I'm I'm yeah, I'm used to. I'm, I'm I'm used to doing like kind of getting abused. But like for people like, like when my girlfriend sees like a bit of a clip and she's like, do you see what he said about you? And I'm yeah. like, and, like, it affects her more than it affects yeah, me. Exactly, like, yeah. But imagine like the player, yeah. especially when you've got. So all, it's, it's just individual, isn't it? How certain things affect certain people. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously as a player. Probably the more you get, so probably with Maguire, he probably got obviously got bad, started getting battered when his form started dipping. Yeah, he pro- his thin, his skin probably got thicker as it went on. Whereas now, it probably just does not affect him one bit. But I bet there was a point where I can't do. I this. mean, his confidence went. You seen that anyway? Yeah, yeah. But like you say, with, with the family and friends and mates or whatever, would would they ever get used to it? Because it's not directly at them. But if it's someone you love and care about, yeah, I mean, you can only imagine it. It was something like they all affect their relationship because then they're like, oh, I've seen it, but has he seen it? So yeah, well, now we wouldn't want to mention it. Say, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, let's just talk about something else. But it, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think it's a real problem. Just probably not just in football, just in life but these days, isn't it? With yeah. social media, free water, speech. Yeah. If you argue, the, you know, devil's advocate, and you mm-hmm. say like, well, everyone's entitled, yeah. you know. 
if the platform's allowing them to comment on yeah. stuff like that, you just need to think about what you're saying, don't you? But you can see why people, people do or players or any a lot of it, like celebrities, footballers, whatever, don't run their own Instagram mm. and they just put up a generic picture of them playing yeah. the game, saying three points, thanks for the fans, mm. and then that's it. And you can see why they don't get on it at all. And I don't just, blame them. I wouldn't even. Nah, if that was yeah. pro football. Eh? I wouldn't. <clears throat> so you were you weren't you don't really have like a huge social media following. No. Does that? Does that social media don't don't really interest you? Yeah, well, obviously, like you do it for your mates, for your close friends, stuff like that. But yeah, when I was playing, I never had it. I mean, it weren't as big then. But mm-hmm. obviously, even now, I'd probably be. I mean, it's a good thing we probably encourage our players to have it because it's obviously it's good for branding, for deals, stuff like that. To to communicate with the fans in a good way. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you're going to be getting that. At some point in your career, you're going to be getting battered, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Because you, you're not going to be you're not going to be the best player on the pitch. You're probably going to be one of the worst ones at one point. But you've kind of you can't let that obviously stop you from doing something that's going to obviously positive positively affect what you're doing going forward. And I think as footballers, it's probably good more good than than bad. See, that's um, what's good about the players that we've got is that a phone call conversation of what you've just said then mm. for the last five minutes will just put the mind at rest and say, mm. all right, it happens. Everyone's yeah. going to get it. You know, like I know I've, you know, I, I can take it on board and mm. learn with that. And that's what will help, you know, the players that we've got is like that bit of experience and stuff like that. Not necessarily like, how do you beat a fullback? Mm. But how do you deal with that off the pitch? Yeah. Or I've had a bit, my manager's gone off me a bit. How do I deal yeah, with that? Do yeah. I go in all guns blazing? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Does that rip up the contract or do I go in a bit differently? Do mm-hmm. I dig in at training? How long do I dig in for? It's stuff like that that you can't teach mm-hmm. or you can't learn. I suppose that's why this partnership works quite well because obviously you've got the player sort of aspect but yeah. at the same time, a player nowadays, commercially is just as important nowadays. So you can yeah. bring the sort of business side of it where yeah. Like, yeah, say yeah. like a brand or like a Boots, they, they wanted something, they've got a bit cold on you. Yeah, you yeah. can kind of bring in with that. Yeah, massive. Well, obviously, with just with Alex's following as well, where obviously the reach we can get for our players now is obviously a massive yeah. selling point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking then, like it, it will, it does benefit players having a following or a, a, any sort of online presence. But mm. it depend again, it'll depend on the club and the manager because yeah. I bet Neil Warnock wanting to sign a player won't think. <laughs> he's only, he's yeah, I've like, got 20k only... followers on TikTok about Neil Warnock's like, what's TikTok? He doesn't have a blue tick or like, he's got a private account. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. not going to be bothered but then, I don't think any manager would be bothered to be fair but then your commercial department like, Charlie Austin going back to Swindon, mm. like that's, they'll have signed him commercially, Pogba, Man United. Yeah. yeah. Commercially, oh, it's yeah, not... Deal. Yeah, even if they think on the pitch it might not be the perfect signing, Pogba going back to United, for instance, yeah. was was just massive, wasn't it? Like it was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah. So probably the, the effect that it had over the world for United was probably outweighed. Obviously, he didn't end up probably working out on the pitch, but financially, it probably did for United anyway. Same with Ronaldo, looking mm. at money with Ronaldo yeah. made United. Mm. Oh, right. mate! Did you say like Pogba paid that when he went for like ninety million or something? They earned that back in shirts on the first day or something. Yeah, so much cheaper like that. But yeah. it's like your players like non-league even up to a championship player I do think it'll benefit them being on social media because everyone's on it coaches are on it mm. kit men are on it you know physios are on it scouts are on it so if you pop up on a clip or like you sharing something that 
one of your mates might see and then he might know someone suddenly it bounces around yeah, it and bounces then that around could, are, that's yeah. how it'll get you a move or that's like news in it these days you, you find yeah. out oh your news on probably social media these days don't right, you? yeah you yeah, go straight yeah. to twitter or it's you know you're like all the news you don't yeah you might google the odd bit but everything's up to date on there but mm. it's just what if it's true or not <laughs> Um, I, I also had a few questions about sort of like your career as well coming to the end of your career so what you tend to find is with kind of mm. pros is they drop into like the non-league system but you mm. didn't really drop into that was there any sort of reason for that or was it more to do with like your injuries yeah or? it was the injury really obviously broke my leg at, at Bolton towards the end um, yeah and it was just kind of I knew I, I knew I couldn't get back to any sort of level of where I'd been at um, so it was probably kind of half you probably don't want to drop down because you know how hard it's going to be. It's not going to get any easier. Do you know what I mean? People think, obviously, you drop down. Obviously, technically, it gets a little bit easier because you're not expected to hit them heights again. Physically, like we said, with the fitness, Mm -hmm. there's no drop. What you need to be doing day to day, eating, sleeping right, recovering right, everything stays the same. So, yeah, I think it's probably kind of a blessing that I had an injury where it was kind of like, right, you are, it, you are yeah. done. So I didn't have that decision mm. to make. So I think that probably that's why some players probably struggle a little bit because you might, in your mind, you might be wanting to carry on, but your body might not be able to. Yeah, so but if you so never have that mm. clear injury or whatever it might be, you know, you don't get a club, right, you, you can't carry on playing, you'll probably end up just keep dropping down and you'll keep playing forever until <laughs> until you can't, you can't run anymore. But I had that kind of stop where you're injured, what are you going to do next? But luckily I'd already planned on kind of this this role anyway. Um, yeah. So it was quite quite an easy transition really. And it was actually, what made it easier, it was when COVID kind of kicked off. Oh, right, So yeah. I got injured in the January. Yeah, yeah. In the March, they stopped fans coming into the games. So I was watching games, obviously injured, broken leg. I was thinking, this looks rubbish. Like, there's no <laughs> atmosphere. Like, you're playing in yeah. empty stadiums, you can hear every kick of the ball. I was like, I'm not really missing this. <laughs> Obviously, when the fans started coming back in, yeah, you start yeah. getting itchy feet a little bit. But yeah, it was it was just the injury with me. You picked up so you, the thing. That's what I was conscious of is that if you when you retire, I'm saying I'm conscious of when I retired from yeah. playing professional. Football, <laughs> <laughs> I be conscious of is like. You're always what telling me you do you top, top centre half and top yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. You still play something, mate. Doncaster <laughs> Saturday League's worst striker. <laughs> <laughs> um, poor man's John Parkin, if there's such a thing. But is what do you. There's you, a poor man's John Parkin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. The, uh, when you retire, you think, oh, that'd be lovely. I'll have all the weekends. I'll mm. be able to see the kids and the family and do this, do that. But two years down the line, three years down mm. the line, you kind of like. Does the novelty wear off? Or like, I know we obviously miss the game and the banter in the changing rooms mm. and the camaraderie, but what do you do to fill your time? Is it mm. golf yeah. course? Is it yeah. that? I know you've got the agency, which is a massive part yeah. of it now, but it must be so daunting thinking you're a long time retired is the big mm. saying, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. like, obviously, I was kind of at that, that level where I had enough time to like start a new business without worrying, all right, I need some money coming in. So I've been lucky enough to earn a decent amount of money where I could probably chill for a year while I'm building something else. But I think why, like touching on what you said before, a lot of footballers don't go into the agency because it's so difficult to break in. You kind of go in, if you played in League One, League Two all your life, you can't just, you can't afford to start a business that's not going to be yeah, earning money for two or three years, which, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously, which is probably the realistic kind of 
work of starting an agency. And then if you played in the Premier League at the top, top level all your life, you've probably got enough money where you're just going to chill and you'll be on the beach. Yeah. So there's probably that gap, that select amount of players where you've got enough time to, to build something, but you don't need to work straight away, which obviously I probably fell into. So I think that's why one of the reasons why I've probably gone into it as well. And Interesting. There's, there's probably only a, a certain amount of players that can, can like, like I say, can afford to not have to go, right, I need to get a job, or yeah. I need to go into coaching to bring some money in straight away. Because like I say, if you've not... If you've not earned mega money, then obviously when you finish your career, you're straight into the next thing. Like yeah. Whether it be coaching or... Media going, or yeah, anything. Or trade, trying it, to stay yeah. in the game or whatever it is. So I think that probably narrows down a certain amount of players that go into probably being an agent. There's some rogue stories I've seen. Because I was thinking then, like, well, what does a thirty, like, mid-30s man go into... So you're in the situation where you need to earn money. Yeah, that's had no career apart from football. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and you've not got anything saved. You've lived your life. You've loved it. You've had a great 15 years. Yeah. But now you're like, right now, what do I do? What do you I could do, do, now? do media, coaching, scouting. Mm. But like, but a lot of a lot of it needs a lot of preparation. Yeah. So you might have had to do your badges for two, yeah, three, four years. Do you have to do qualifications for being an agent as well? No. No. It is changing. I think there's going to be an exam soon. Okay. But to go into that was just literally getting a license. Uh, okay, okay. So that is why it's yeah, easier. Yeah. But I always said that the FA should push that on players a little bit more. Where it was never, it was never mentioned when you come into the end. A lot yeah, of it was yeah. the coaching, which a lot of lot of people go into. But like I say, you have to go to like summer camps for two, three weeks at a time every every year before you can go into that. Wow, it's yeah. it's a lot of preparation for something where you don't well, even know if you enjoy. That you yeah. think. I said it to one of the lads that we had. I said, like, "Well, you got. To, are you looking at planning for the? You know, in ten years' time, when you?" It's like, "No. Why would I do that?" And yeah. I thought, "What a horrible way to look at." It. But then I thought, "Actually, he's a f- professional footballer. Yeah, he's got ten years to graft yeah. and not even think about the next. You know, and you, when you're in it, when you're in the game, mm. I guess you just think like, this is everything I've got. This is all I can do.' You know, because yeah. you've trained all your life to get there, and then suddenly you get there, you're not going to start thinking, "Oh, what can I do after?" Well, that's kind of the finding the balance in it of giving everything and all your focus being on being a footballer. But then, if something happens where you're not good enough or you get injured at 21, 22, mm-hmm. if you've only been focusing on that, because you do, you know, I heard it when I was 18, 19, so like, do your education, plan, mm-hmm. do your coaching badges early. If you do fall out the game, you've got something to back up, like, got yeah, onto. Yeah. And I was always like, no, I'm going to be a footballer. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to do everything I can to be a footballer, but probably statistically wise, probably nine out of 10 players at that 21, 22 probably end up being out the game. Yeah. And they've not done them things. So that's where I think there's a lot of probably struggle with footballers coming out of the game. You get the odd ones that will have invested in a bit of property. They might have like one or two houses that they don't live in that they can rent out. Mm-hmm. Or like I know Stephen Fletcher, he's up at Dundee mm-hmm. now. I yeah, Bloody Fletcher. Um, he's, like, he's always had like a car sales company, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, but you hear the odd player that's got stuff on the side but it's only ever football and maybe a bit of property yeah 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 usually but mm. I think I saw Paddy Kennedy the other day shared that 
And I get the feeling he might have been a player that didn't put any aside or <laughs> invest it wisely. I'd love to meet him. I bet Paddy Kenny is a great pint. I bet he'd be oh, great yeah. for I've one seen beer him. with him. Well, I don't know. I've seen him out and about in Sheffield a few times and it's more than one pint. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him. I was in a pub. I won't tell at the end, but I was in a pub with my daughter. That sounds good. On a Saturday with my daughter and one of my mates having some food about midday. And then the mate I was with is the one of the managers at a bar in Sheffield. And he texts me at like half one saying, Paddy's still out. I've just seen him roll, <laughs> still out. rolling around on the street with another lad scrapping. Oh, so I thought, all right, that's not good. But um, yeah, so he now runs a, he's just started up like a car removal company that transports cars all around the country. Like you just get into different things and like, you just, it's who you know it's the kind of person you are if you're, if you're a social nice kind person that made friends with everyone mm. you'll get an opportunity outside yeah 100% they'll want your help mm. you know you'll want theirs and then suddenly you get in a relationship where you can start to become well similar to this I guess like mm. I know yeah, yeah I've not been able to bring too much yet but it's just business outside of football isn't it yeah. you've got to think about it at some point I think mm. 100% I, I want to end on a, on a few kind of quick fire sort of traditional sort of questions first of all um, I had about three questions about your golfing so I need to ask you <laughs> uh, so why why is it that footballers kind of go into golf why is it always golf is it due to like the time you can spend into it or I don't know really I mean I've always played a bit of golf but only in the summer when it starts yeah. getting nice and warm but, I mean, a lot of footballers love it. I yeah, know, like, yeah, I play yeah. with some players that I just, like, play, like, two, three times a week. Cause once it starts getting warmer, they'll be, or even every day. That's mental. But, yeah. It's perfect. But, finish training. Probably you're not very good either, I've been told. <laughs> well, well, I'm actually not as good as you. But, <laughs> well, I know where you're coming from, because there's a lad in there who's sent yeah, me a message, yeah. but he's been dealt with, actually. I've <laughs> 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 been murdered. <laughs> On the course. <laughs> yeah. It's one of them. You finish training at two or something. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do all afternoon? Well, golf course. I think it's probably more when you're a little bit younger. Maybe you've, you know, you finish training and there's a couple of lads really that all live maybe on their yeah, own. Yeah, like, well, what yeah. do we do with our time now? It's a nice day. Go yeah. down to the driving range. Go out there. <laughs> See, interesting. Sometimes get that. Well, Some when you're recording. <laughs> big Brighton fan of it. Up in, in Glossop. Yeah, um, just the time, I think. Yeah. To do so. Fascinating, because you always see all the time, like Bale obviously being the most famous. Yeah. Um, it's a few kind of quick fire questions. Like, you've played with some like fantastic players. Mm. Like, who would you say is like probably, who, who would you most like to go for a pint with? I've been for a pint with most of them. Who's like who's like that good pint? Obviously, we, we talk about Paddy Kenny then. There's two types of pints. There's two pints watching the football, and then there's ten pints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the dance yeah, floor after. Lunatics. Lee Catamol was always a good, um, really? a good drinker. <laughs> just say oh, that. That's, that's a shock. He was, <laughs> no, I just said he was true professional. Oh no, he is. But when oh, yeah, 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 but, but I, when I, he had a drink, yeah, he seems he like a oh, class. Yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah, he's a bit of a lunatic, but there's a few. Like you see, you see lads like you know Christmas do when it's like one probably one or two nights out, and the Christmas do is a big one. Yeah, and that's where everyone just kind of goes a little bit mental. You, you see, it's usually always like the quiet ones that you see that don't say much and they're just absolutely mental when they go on a night. And you're like, here we where go. Where is he coming from? <laughs> So often the staff, I bet as well, like the kit man will tend oh, to get a few. Yeah, a few of the staff love it. 
Well, when they're away on, so like you play someone away, and you obviously stay over in the hotel, obviously players like bed at nine, ten o'clock, the staff are like down there, aren't they, at the bar, drinking <laughs> really? with you. Yeah, you see them in the next day, and they're like, get up, and you're like, wow, what have they been doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just using it as like a night out every time we go away. Thinking. <laughs> Excellent. What well, um, so like other sort of players you play with? Um, like who, who was like that one most skillful player? Like obviously with you being a winger, yeah. Like you've obviously got that left left side who needs to kind of counterpart your yeah. directness. Was there any like players out there that really stood out to you that you played with who were like well, the most skillful? Yeah. Well, to be fair, obviously I played with some top players at Sunderland like Jermaine Defoe, like Stephen Fletcher was there, um, John O'Shea, Wes Brown. Obviously, was at United at, uh, just mm-hmm. before Sunderland, but. At Brighton, we had some like kind of random signings. Really, like Wayne Bridge came, who was unbelievable. Who'd played for England before coming to Ben's Brighton. Ben's a good guy, Wayne Bridge. As yeah, well. he's like, a top guy. He's, yeah, he's, uh, Matthew Upson, centre half, used to play for Arsenal. He uh, came to Brighton. Yeah, he played West Ham as well, but, wasn't he? Yeah, there was a few like foreign players that came, and one of them was Vicente. He used to play for Valencia. Oh, he was Spanish. Yeah, 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 yeah winger. Remember yeah. FIFA? Like, <laughs> yeah, and he was like, he was just completely different. To an English player, yeah. So everyone was just like, like, how good is he? Yeah. Like he's touch and everything. I think he was like, kind of coming to the end of his career. It was like mid thirties, but he'd had a lot of injuries, so pace he had none. But you tried to get the ball off him and train him. He's just the way he just used his body and stuff like that. He was like, you'd never seen it before. So he's probably the one that stood out. Yeah. As like, this is something I've never seen before. Who were mm. your strikers at Brighton and Watford? Would it be Murray? Oh, Murray. I played with Glenn Murray at. Rochdale actually mm-hmm. uh, one of the strikers was Craig McHale Smith who was oh, flying yeah. Craig McHale like, Smith had a... he didn't he didn't yeah. really kind of probably do himself justice at Brighton he, had a he lot scored of a lot of football egos didn't he yeah. Peterborough and was it Peterborough yeah, he, 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 he took Peterborough he just scored about 40 goals a season yeah, yeah. Three, Aaron four, McLean yeah. up front as well at Peterborough yeah. we played with um, Leonardo Ajoa who was at Brighton yeah. and he won the league with Leicester yeah. a couple of years later so he was class Um I mean, we had some really good players at Brighton at that time for the championship as well. What yeah. Sunderland was what Defoe, Fletcher, Connor Wick. Yeah, Connor Wick was there. Um, Lee Catamol, um, Larson. Good wow, Oh, Larson! Now he was good with yeah. the ball at his feet, wasn't he? Said Larson. Yeah. yeah. So there's a fight. Sunderland was obviously good, but probably as a Premier League team, probably just what you'd expect. Yeah. Whereas yeah, obviously yeah. Brighton that stood out because these were players that had played in the Premier League or played in Champions League abroad. So they was coming to Brighton. I was like, "Wow, you know, we've got a good mm. team now." Yeah, yeah. You get that bug, don't you? Where you're like, "Wait, wait, we're going up here." <laughs> yeah, up, yeah you, you get that sense here. of wait. You know, when you've got a good team, you know, yeah. depending on which league you're in. And obviously, at that Brighton time, was just. Do you so think enjoyable. that's a big factor of the camaraderie in the squad? I was speaking to a guy that's at Huddersfield, and he was saying that, like last season, they got to play our final in the championship, and now the bottom of the championship. Mm. This yeah, season. yeah. He was saying it's the camaraderie. Like last season, they were out every week like, as a squad. Oh, yeah, yeah, doing yeah, yeah. Things. It can they make were... a massive difference. Obviously, you need good players on the pitch, but it's like that being happy again, isn't it? If, if you've got a team that's happy and going out together, yeah. working hard for each other, whereas you've got a team that doesn't really get on or doesn't click on the pitch or off the pitch, it's going to have a massive effect. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, well, you look at England probably the prime example of that mm. like England at the moment mm. they're all mates yeah. and you can tell that they, they love each other yeah, like yeah, they yeah. proper live for yeah, it yeah it's like that obviously really players who are not playing are still happy for the players that are playing yeah, whereas true. obviously a lot of the time if you're on the bench or something you see teams where they're probably like not happy if the yeah. teammate does well because obviously you are kind of competing for one spot but if you can get that well, I think that's why Gareth Southgate's got it perfect 
he seems like a perfect man manager where he keeps everyone happy and they're all supporting each other even when they're not playing yeah which is which is a massive massive part of it Fantastic. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there because we are. That camera turned off five minutes ago, but I was. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not stopping this. Uh, but yeah, massive thanks coming down and big thanks for, for your, your long drive as well coming over. Well, I loved it. I'll get rid of him now. I'll be back every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who we got on next? <laughs> but yeah, that's class. So a final shout out. So it's is web sports management isn't it, on it. Yeah. Instagram. Is yeah, that it's right? The one, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And then obviously yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, football. Don't need any interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my followers have come from you, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's a thanks from me. But no, I loved not. it, mate. But Pleasure. it was a great, great insight. Really, really enjoyed enjoyed that episode. Yeah, um, also on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe so you can, you don't miss an episode. Spotify, give us a five star review. That always helps. Um, and we shall see you next week. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Cheers. Cheers.